G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. I got married at 21 and uh, we wanted to start a family young, but there was a lot of complications and then we went and got the test done and everything like that and then I was told that I wouldn't be a dad. And then after four years, my wife was like, I don't feel this is going anywhere. And I was like, okay, I kind of feel the same way. And then she took off, but she little did I know she was actually taken off with another person. The Story. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Reese Solomon, otherwise known as D4C, is a hip-hop artist who describes himself as a misfit and says he grew up feeling like he never really fit in. However, as a youth, he was always strong in his faith until his 20s when he was hit with some major disappointments and was left wondering if God really loved him. We'll hear his story today and find out how it all turns around as he has a chat with Eric Scatterbo. Reese, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you on, and tell us about that. You felt like a misfit? Why was that? Um, well, I grew up as a Christian. I was in a non-Christian school, so that in itself is, uh, I didn't fit in with a lot of people. But um, Okay, yeah, 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 that would be understandable. <laughs> so have you, did you have any misfit kind of experiences? Um, yeah, well, a lot of my friends were, I was like, my friends, a lot of my friends were either Filipino or um, South African or um, like I'm white skin. A lot of them weren't white skin. I was like the one, I was the outcast, I guess you would say, or misfit. So me, I was different no matter what, wherever we walked, wherever we went, I was the one that was noticeable because I was a lot different than everybody else. Um, but then also because of my Christian background and my Christian belief, um, they were all doing drugs and alcohol and everything like that where I stood my stance and wouldn't fall for peer pressure so in that regard no matter what we're doing i was always the misfit of everything we're doing so it's kind of just like a it's something that i've took on as a persona as i'm a misfit than everyone else and i don't want to be like everyone else and plus i wear baggy clothes and everything like that so i don't fit in with most church um, (laughs) groups either because i look different so and i'm covered in tattoos and so um yeah i just i like to be the misfit is pretty much what. yeah that's kind of that's kind of interesting because a lot of times when people say, oh, a misfit, that's something they don't want to be, but it sounds like it's something you thrive on. Yeah, definitely. I like being different. Like, I don't want to be yeah. like everyone else. If you, Why be like everyone else? Everyone else is boring. Be be different. Yeah. Be a misfit. So, yeah, that's, oh, okay. that's it. <laughs> that's interesting. Now, you mentioned that you were a strong Christian. Um, well, I was kind of, I, I was born into a Christian family. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just grew up living the Christian lifestyle, so that's all I've, I ever really knew. So, um, yeah, just a Christian since I was a kid. I remember giving my life to God when I was about four or five years old, and mm-hmm. um, I wear these wristbands, WWJD, which most people yep. remember back from the old days, but I still wear them today, and I've worn them every day on my wrists since I was 14, 15 years old. I'm now 35, so you do the math. And, um, <laughs> yeah, that's just it's just what I it's how I like to live my life is – what would Jesus do? And I want to be as Christ-like as possible. So, 
Yeah. Now, a lot of people are raised in a Christian family, but then they find out, well, that was kind of my parents' faith, but I'm <laughs> not into that. Yep. But it sounds like you really owned your faith. Yeah, definitely. When I was like 25 is when everything like went wrong in my life. But up until then, I was, yeah, I just live in the Christian life. What I was raised to do, especially I was also the oldest child out of my siblings, so I was raised to set the example. Mm-hmm. So yep. I took that on. And that's why I've never tried drugs, never tried drinking. I don't swear. Um, it, all that kind of thing is like I tried to set the example as good as possible. And that's, yeah, I took that on. So, And that worked for you, it sounds like. Yeah, it worked for me. My, my siblings didn't follow. But, but oh. you know, I, I liked it about myself that I didn't fall for peer pressure and I didn't fall for what all my friends were doing, like the cool thing that they were doing. I like to be different. and it, And it worked in a way because... Whenever they were in a real bad down situation, I was the one they came to when they wanted to discuss like life and uh-huh. discuss God and everything like that. So, and nowadays, like we're in our mid thirties, like it's good to see some of my friends are actually Christians now, and they tell me it was they used to f- watch me in high school and watch how I stood up for myself and stood up for my beliefs, which kind of ten fifteen years later made them like, wow, I want to be like that. So I wow, guess so you were planting seeds way back then. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, yeah. When you look at it that way, it it kind of makes me feel. Even though I could possibly every once in a while feel like I missed out on a lot because of the way I was, yeah. I I don't believe I did because I was doing exactly what I was supposed to do or what I wanted to do, and it's actually worked. Like fifteen years later, I've yeah planted seeds along the way, and they've grown to how they are now. Yeah. Now, in your high school years, yep. Were you into hip hop music at that point? Yeah, definitely. Well, that's how I got myself into the, the I guess you call us the crew um, that we were in. And it was, we, we sat in a, in a certain spot in school and we used to call it the Compton Corner. And that was before like Compton's real cool now because of that movie that came out. But back uh-huh. in the days, like NWA and Tupac and all that was like the big cool thing when we were growing up in school. So we had our Compton Corner. So there was like me and then there was a whole bunch of like guys that were thugging or gangsterish type mentalities that, um, yeah, that they're, they're the people that I associated myself with, um, and e- was, even though you were the good Christian kid, yeah, well, because they were the, they were the guys that I, they're the people that I related to because of my love for hip hop and also my love for basketball. Um, they loved hip hop and they loved basketball, so it kind of because we played basketball together, I kind of formed a f- friendship with them all, and yeah, it kind of grew from there. So, and then well, I was. Also, what did they think of you? Weren't you kind of, hey, this is the goody goody Christian guy, <laughs> or how did they think of you? They did think of me as the goody goody Christian guy, and a lot of them would try and like, if, like, say we're at like a party or at a friend's house or anything like that, and they're all drinking, they're like, hey, have some, have some. Um, but it's me saying no to all that kind of thing is what kind of planted the seeds to grow yeah. along for, a lot further along the way. So, so you were interacting with. Very non-Christian type kids, it sounds like. Yes, very much. But still maintaining your Christian witness and having a strong faith. Yeah, oh, definitely. Okay, so, I mean, that's pretty much the ideal that every parent would love their child to, you know, stand up for their faith, even in the face of adversity and other people picking on them. So, going pretty good for you as a young Christian <laughs> at that point, it sounds like. Yeah, well, my well, my biggest hero growing up was Jesus. And so, like, he hung out with all the, the people that were doing the wrong thing and the people that were doing yeah, like Yeah, So I saw that in the way it was like, I can do the same thing. I've just got to be strong in my faith and strong in my beliefs. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it, well, I'm I'm one of the people where it actually worked for me. I've got a lot of friends where they they fell off and went on the same road as everyone else. But I was just like, it's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to let it happen to me. So, I yeah, it's the one place I've actually been stubborn in my life it was not falling for everyone else's tricks. So, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, it sounds like everything's going ideal for you as a young Christian man, strong in your faith. But then some storms of life came your way, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I got um, married at 21 to um, – she was my best friend for years at youth group. And, uh, yeah, we got married at 21, and uh, we wanted to start a family young, but there was a lot of complications and everything like that. And then we went and got the test done and everything like that. And, we, and then I was told that I wouldn't be a dad. I couldn't be a dad. Um that oh, it was you medically, not her. Uh, it was a mixture of both. So okay, um, yeah, there, there was no. They they said there was no way we could be we could have children. So mm-hmm. um, we'd done everything that you could think of, like IUI, all of that. We didn't do um, IVF yet because we couldn't afford it. But that it. had to be devastating for you as a young person wanting to be a father. Oh, very much. Well, because my dad was twenty one when I was born, and yeah. my dad's probably my best friend. So. I wanted mm-hmm. to have that same like young mentality with the son growing up where I could be fun and yeah. everything like that. Mm-hmm. It's good that yeah. now I'm 35 and I'm really immature, so I kind of fit into that purpose. But, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, like I just I wanted to be a dad when I was young. Like since I was like 14, 15, I'd had lots of injuries playing basketball, so mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to kick a footy with my son or or anything with my daughter or anything that regard. But yeah, it just wouldn't happen. It well, it didn't happen. And so for four years, we kept trying, we kept trying, we kept trying. And then after four years, my wife was like, you know, I don't feel this is going anywhere. Um, I feel like we're falling apart. And we're just flatmates living together. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I kind of feel the same way. And then she took off, but she little did I know she was actually taken off with another person. So for two years, she had been trying to get pregnant, not with me. So oh, wow. that made me feel, I guess, like yeah, rubbish. And so, and of then course, at, yeah. at the same time, I had, um, I was getting right up there with trying to be a professional basketball player, and I was finally making my way through the door because um, I'm only a short guy, so I'm often overlooked. How tall are you? Australia, five foot nine. Mm-hmm. So for a basketball player, that's short. For normal everyday yeah. living, that's decent. But yeah, um, you're taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I yeah, I just. I finally got my foot in the door, and then, um, yeah, I, I tore my ACL, I fractured my kneecap, uh, did something to my meniscus, and all that kind of stuff, all in one go, and it was around the same time that I found out all this stuff about my wife, and wow. that just tore me apart. Um, yeah. And like pretty much any normal person, I I took it out on God, and I was like, how Yeah, I was going to say, this? how did you react? What did that do to your faith at that time? Oh, it, it shook it. <laughs> um, like, yeah. Understandably, I I believed he was there. I just I just lost the point of like you do not care for me. How could this kind of thing happen? Especially with everything that I've done in my life, to mm-hmm. be a good testament or a like a disciple, pretty much of um, sharing and living an example of what Jesus did, and then this happens mm-hmm. to me. I'm like, how how could you let this happen to me? And then so I cried out. I was on Burley Hill. It was pouring with rain. I was like, I'm going to end life. This is not. This is not cool. This isn't funny. Oh wow! And uh, I just, so you got you got that despondent. Yeah, it was the first time I was ever depressed. I didn't know how to handle it. So 
Yeah. Um, I had nothing to fall back on um, after everything happened with basketball because that's all I had ever focused on since I was real little. So, yeah, I just I, I lost it pretty much. And so I, sc- I was screaming at God, like, how could you do this? Like, you, you have a week to show me that you actually care for me. And so then I received messages through the following week from friends that I grew up with and they were like Bible verses and inviting me to come to their church. They didn't know anything that was going on. It was just like a message saying, mm-hmm. hey, we've been thinking about you. It's been a while. Well, let's hang out. Um, come to church. We've got this island night thing. You should come along. It'd be great. So I was like, okay. So you kind of challenged God, it sounds like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, very much. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you got a week to show me that something's or I'm gone. <laughs> You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Christian hip-hop artist Reese Solomon, otherwise known as D4C. As we just heard, at a low point in his life, Reese challenged God to show up in his life. We'll find out what happened next when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Christian hip-hop artist Reese Solomon, otherwise known as D4C. Before the break, we heard how, at a low point in his life, Reese gave God an ultimatum. Now, we'll hear what happened next in his story. Yeah, I was like, you got a week to show me that something's or i'm gone <laughs> and he answered <laughs> um yeah all these messages from my friends um that I, I hadn't seen in years but um were very close to my heart i guess because um mm-hmm. i'd done yeah. youth group with them over like since i was like 14 15 years old and um yeah so i came along to this this island tonight and uh it was great like the music really appealed to me because i'm into that kind of like the that kind of music and then um mm-hmm. The preacher pretty much answered every single question that I was throwing at God that night, and it was just like God was speaking to me. So I just rededicated my life, and uh, I I feel like that was the the turning point that I'd taken my Christian walk for granted, I guess. For me, it was comfortable growing up. That's all. It it was what I knew. My my Christian life was what I knew, but it wasn't until I had this, this, I guess, rubbish happen on my life that turned it around to make me be like, whoa, God, like... You're amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, I just um, went all out after that. and uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to put myself in your situation. I mean, everything is going fine. <laughs> and then uh, these three different devastating blows that you mentioned, you know, the injury, so your basketball career wasn't going to happen, your wife leaving you, and then before that, uh, finding out that it looked like you couldn't be a father. Yep. That's a whole lot to take all in a short period of time. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, it was pretty full on. But as you mentioned, God came through for you. What happened next in your life? So um, I'd always played around with the idea of music. Um, when I was a teenager, I used to make music for friends, for them to mm-hmm. rap over or sing over or anything like that. So I'd just been playing with the idea because I was, I was depressed. I was at home just chilling out. And so I was just playing music. And um, I was making these... Uh, in hip hop, we call them beats. So I was making these beats, mm-hmm. and um, I was making them for friends and everything like that. And then one day, I made this one beat, and I was just like, 
this is way too good for anyone else to be on. Like That's going to be my beat. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I hadn't even thought about rapping or anything like that, but I'd heard this thing. I was like, that is, no, no one can touch this because they won't do it justice. <laughs> so I was, yeah. like, I was like, oh, man, I'll, I'll try and rap to it. So I wrote this rap, and it was one of the most technical raps I've ever written. So I, I did it. I filmed myself rapping over the beat on a video camera, and then I posted it on YouTube. And after that, yeah, it went nuts. I had people just like, man, keep going. This is amazing. This is what we need in Australia. So I was wow. just like... Had you ever done anything like that before? Um, no, not personally. I'd, I'd, um, when I was in youth group, I, had, I went to a Thailand on a mission trip, and mm-hmm. my pastor, he knew my love for hip-hop and everything like that. So he got me to rap while we were over in Thailand to like all the school kids. So uh-huh. that kind of got me to realize, oh, rapping's for me, it was quite easy. So that was the yeah. only time I've ever really done it. And then, yeah, when yeah. I did this, um, I guess because I'd listened to so much hip-hop and studied hip-hop, I guess, like, religiously, yeah, I, uh, it, for me, it was kind of, I found it quite easy. So so this started to take off for you? Yeah, it started, yeah. Since then, it's just it's been a lot of work, but it's, um, my, I guess, my stubbornness <laughs> and my passion for hip-hop um, has kept me going. Okay, so you started to get some success. Sounds like a very positive response to your YouTube video. Yeah. What happened next? Um, well, it's funny. Like like most Christian hip hop guys in Australia, you're like, man, I'm going to be huge. I'm going to be big. <laughs> yeah, that's not the case. So, a lot of what I was doing, I was forking my own my own money into it, my own finances and mm-hmm. everything like that. So, and I have yep. been for years. Like, you don't make much, but for me, it was like. It was my way of, I guess, um, sharing my faith in an easier way. Because I'm normally mm-hmm. technically a, a kind of a shy guy. I'm not the greatest talker, I guess, to people because most of what I want to talk about is either basketball or music. So you would rather communicate through your rapping? Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's hear some of your rapping. What, what song do you recommend? Um, El Shaddai. Um, that's one of my better songs that I've put out. So. That's Al Shaddai by our guest today, D4C, which stands for Disciple for Christ. Is that right? Is that uh, what D4C stands for? Yep, that's perfect. And how did you come up with that kind of nickname? I mean, that's kind of the thing with hip-hop. Everybody's got to have, like, this kind of a, a nickname. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, D4C, it actually, I came up with that when I was maybe, like, eight or nine years old. Um, oh, yeah? Wow, you've been thinking about this a long time. <laughs> yeah, well, it was actually, um, it was kind of, it was a it was a clothing label that I had envisioned when I was, like, nine years old to make, like, T-shirts and wow. hats and everything like that. and. Yeah, when when I started rapping, I was like, oh, man, I should take on that D4C name. Like, it kind of speaks about exactly what I am. So, yeah, yeah I took it on because I was like, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to be doing clothing. So, <laughs> so the, the clothing thing didn't take off, but the <laughs> rap thing is going great. Yeah. And tell us about the success of that song we just heard, El Shaddai. Oh, man, oh, that that's crazy because um, I've never thought about charting. I don't even try to chart. It's not something that's ever on my radar. But I received a message that because I released it on Good Friday, because um, it kind of mm-hmm. goes with the message of the song. So I received a message from 
a friend of mine and he's like, check the iTunes charts. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I checked the iTunes charts and it was uh, at number 88. And I was like, what? What's going on? Wow. So like- That's cool. I did this post on Facebook where I'm like, oh my gosh, I just saw that I'm number 88. This is insane. I'm like, thank you so much. I'm like, I've never even thought about this. And then I, um, I was doing an event that morning in Fortitude Valley. And after the event, I got home and I checked the iTunes charts again. And I was at, I was somewhere in the fifties and I was like, this is crazy. What's going on? And then it gradually kept going like 27. And then it was 11. And I was like, wow, can we make the top 10? And then it went 10. And then the morning of Sunday, April the 1st, I think it was, um, yeah, it was number seven. So it, I'd actually cracked the top ten of the inspirational wow, charts. cool. And it was cool because yeah. you see like one, two, three, four, five is like Hillsong. And then yeah. there's like someone else at number six. I can't remember who it was. And then number seven, there was me. I'm like, whoa, look, I'm in between Hillsong. This is crazy. So, But then when you go to the Christian rap charts, I was number one. So that was like, oh, to wow. me, it was in, insanity. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That had to really boost your confidence. Oh, well, I'd, yeah. I'd been doing it for 10 years, and that was like the first song that had ac- actually gone anywhere to the point where I could be like, hey, I'm on the charts. So, th- yeah, it was crazy. Uh, especially, it was it was surreal because it's not something that you even think about, especially 10 years into your career. You're not thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to make yeah. a song that's going to chart. So, it was, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, that's got to be a wonderful feeling of accomplishment. Now, let's turn back to your life personally. What has happened? for you lately um well i got remarried um six years ago and Mm -hmm. that was good um we managed to be uh we had the same trouble as well we weren't able to fall pregnant and um Mm -hmm. that sucks (laughs) like especially when it's like your one dream yeah and then um so we tried we tried we tried we did everything possible and then we managed to just miraculously have money just fall in our laps and we're like oh let's try ivf like that was the first thing we thought of. Let's try IVF. So we did IVF, and I'd had a lot of friends that had done IVF, and it never had gotten anywhere, and um, they'd had a lot of disappointment and everything like that. And so we were preparing ourselves that it could happen to us as well. But first go around, um, we fell pregnant. So wow, yeah, it was, it was, I was thirty-one. So it was ten years later than what I like. I wanted to be a dad at twenty-one, but at thirty-one, mm-hmm. I was fine. I guess it was good because I was. I guess more mature in a way, even though I'm quite immature yep. as it is. But um, <laughs> I guess I was ready for it. Would be the the thing because I work a full time job as well. I'd I'd actually got myself into a good place to be able to support a family. So yeah, we had a, a beautiful son. His name's Jordan, named after the Jordan River or Michael Jordan. <laughs> so um, so you're a dad now. Yeah, man. And and um, just four months ago we had a second one. So I got two boys now. So. It's great. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So your dream of becoming a father has come true. Yeah, well, that's my biggest dream in life has come true. Being a dad is the one thing I've always wanted since I was a little youngin'. So, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but let's end with you sharing with us about uh, your ministry. What are you involved with? Um, well, there's my 413 Records, which is a record label that I I run and produce a lot of music through. Um, I'm also part of a group called The Commission, and we travel around Australia, and um, we've got people all around, situated around Australia, like Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, um, Brisbane, and Mm -hmm. Gold Coast, and we just, um, we go into juvenile detention centres and schools and cafes and anywhere we can get, like youth groups and churches, obviously, and we just preach the gospel, we do our music, and uh, we just try and reach people, um, 
especially people that other people cannot reach because we speak the language of the generation of today and people that are in like rural areas and everything they kind of listen to what we're saying so um yeah we get to do that and i'm also part of crosswords logan who we also do the same thing and go into detention centers and jails fantastic well thank you so much for sharing your story with us today no worries thank you for having me that's the music of our guest today, Christian hip-hop artist Reese Solomon. And he's been on quite a journey, first being strong in his faith in his teen years, then having his world rocked in his early 20s after experiencing some major disappointments. And then finally, God met him at his lowest point and brought Reese back to himself. It reminds me of the verses in the book of Psalms that says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Some comforting words for all of us, especially when we're all rocked by the storms of life. There's no place we can go to escape God's never-ending love for us. Well, if you'd like to learn more about Reese Solomon's music and other hip-hop artists like him, the website is 413records.com. That's 413records.com. Well, thanks for joining us for Reese's Story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. When I got home, I went into the room and I prayed for my wife. The room was in a nasty condition with a a nasty odor, a smell. And uh, as I prayed for her, the power of God was upon her. And uh, in no time, she kind of was raised off the bed and fell back down to the bed and went into a deep sleep, but her jaws all went back to place. Eyeballs rolled back into the eye socket and a tongue rolled back into her mouth and she was completely healed. Jesse Padaarchi's wife, Cookie, nearly died from a brain tumour, but then was miraculously healed by the Lord. Jesse will share this and other amazing healing stories next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.